MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, August 19th, 2022. Today, a judge considers unsealing parts of the Trump warrant affidavit while unsealing some ancillary documents. Weisselberg pled guilty to all 15 counts in the Manhattan DA's investigation. I have more information about the Department of Justice subpoena for the 1-6 Committee National Archives documents that went out last May. Alex Jones's lawyer faces disciplinary action in Connecticut. And Biden takes another step on student debt, bringing people out of default. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, everyone. It's AG, Allison Gill. I am here today. Dana is on vacation out doing her thing on a cruise ship telling jokes, or I think that's what she's doing, or maybe stopping in Reykjavik. She is globetrotting. I will be talking later in the show with my friend Ben Glebe about his new special, The Mad King. Then, of course, we'll have listener submitted good news for you, which is always a treat. I really appreciate everyone sending in their good news. You can do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Over the next week or so, while Dana's gone, I will be having some special guests come in and help me read the news. So I hope you'll stick around and listen. I always miss Dana when she's gone, but the news doesn't stop when we go out of town, as we might have noticed. So we do have a lot to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So I have some more thoughts on the breaking news from yesterday. I kept talking about it because I thought it was so important and so big. You know, the tranche of documents that the Department of Justice subpoenaed from the January 6th committee that they got from the National Archives. Now, of course, Deadline White House is positing that the Garland howlers were correct because it seems now that we know that the subpoena went out in last May that the Department of Justice was taking so long for them to do their jobs. But Marcy Wheeler knows why it took so long, and it actually didn't take that long. Now, of course, Deadline White House on MSNBC is positing that people who are upset with the slow pace of Garland's investigation were clearly correct because the subpoena went out in May. And that's, you know, 480 days from the beginning of, you know, since the insurrection or something to that effect. Now, Marcy Wheeler, who I know and love and is incredible to read, has been talking about why this has been delayed. And I wouldn't even say delayed. I would just say why the process has been going on behind the scenes and we haven't heard about it for this much time. So, you know, from going back to the insurrection to May when the subpoena was actually um, issued by the Department of Justice, by Wyndham at the Department of Justice, who got there in January, by the way. And the D.C. U.S. attorney didn't get there until November. So, I mean, if we're really looking at it, it it seems like it took him a couple of months to bring Wyndham on to run the investigation, who then took four months to subpoena these documents. But Marcy Wheeler explains this, and she's been on this for a long time. I've been talking about this theory for a while on this show as well. And I've put together my theory based on a lot of the stuff that she writes. It's at emptywheel.net. So you have to check it out. You should be reading it if you're not. Marcy says, quote, last December... When the D.C. Circuit ruled that the National Archives should share Donald Trump's materials relating to January 6th with the House Committee, it emphasized the rare and formidable alignment of factors supporting the disclosure of the documents at hand. It likewise pointed to the careful attention and month-long reviews that the Biden White House gave to each tranche of materials at issue. Citing Mazars, the opinion also noted that SCOTUS's deference to information sharing accommodations between major branches of the government, the executive and the legislative, and SCOTUS showed deference to that information sharing. In other words, the request of a co-equal branch of government made with the assent of the incumbent president presenting a very powerful case for sharing Trump's legal January 6th records with Congress. 
they were working on this. And when the Supreme Court considered the question, it was only Jenny Thomas's spouse that disagreed. She notes here Brett Kavanaugh did attempt to limit the decision. Now, the courts may well have come to this same conclusion had Merrick Garland's Department of Justice subpoenaed the records from the archives for its own investigation of Trump directly. So the question now becomes that Marcy is talking about the committee was after these records. DOJ wanted them too. DOJ let the committee subpoena these records because constitutionally, there would have been a very different legal and political question if the Department of Justice had to do it. The only way to obtain a privilege waiver from Biden in that situation, if the Department of Justice did this, would be to violate the Department of Justice's contact policy. That's that policy that firewalls the White House from ongoing criminal investigations. They would have to communicate. And so the request would have lacked the waiver from the incumbent president, or it would risk politicizing the Department of Justice investigation. And we've talked a lot about trying not to politicize this investigation. The Biden White House's strict adherence to that contacts policy is what allowed the press secretary recently to make a categorical denial of any advance warning of the search on Mar-a-Lago. She was able to stand up and say, no, the Biden White House does not talk to the Department of Justice. That's bad. She was able to say that because it wasn't the Department of Justice that subpoenaed these NARA records and then had to have discussions with the White House about privilege, about Biden taking months to review this privilege. These, these tranches of documents came out over months in, in like a series of releases, if you remember. Now, all that, she says, is predictable background to the New York Times report that after the 1-6 committee subpoenaed the records and after the archives gave both presidents an opportunity to weigh in, and after the D.C. Circuit and Supreme Court ruled against Trump's complaints, only then the DOJ subpoenaed all the same material from the archives themselves. So basically, DOJ decided last year to let Congress resolve the privilege issues through the courts, because if they did it themselves, they'd have to pierce that Department of Justice independence firewall that exists between the White House and Maine Justice. A constitutional question that could have been brought up in an appeal if there was a conviction or even in a motion to dismiss an indictment if Donald Trump were charged. I hope that makes sense. These constitutional queries are always at issue. We saw them. The the front matter of the Mueller report is full of them. Remember, I can't say that he obstructed justice because if I do that, he's being accused by a government that he's not allowed to face. I would be stripping him of his constitutional rights to face his accuser because I'm accusing him of something, but I can't indict him. And it's indictment and trial that gives a criminal defendant the opportunity to face their accuser. These kinds of constitutional questions are always at play in these cases. The Mazars case, the the House Ways and Means case, the separation of powers considerations that we've been talking for forever about. Now, Marcy goes on to say, It seems likely that the archives gave these already privileged review documents to prosecutor Tom Wyndham with nary a squeak. And we are just now learning about it. Indeed, Trump may have just learned about it, which is where the subpoena probably came from four months later. We're just learning about it, importantly, after the FBI seized another 27 boxes of documents that Trump had refused to turn over to the archives including records that could be pertinent to January 6th. You'll remember, I reported that Donald told allies he didn't want to hand over much of the documents, not just because they're not theirs, they're mine, but he didn't want to hand these back to the National Archives because those documents he felt would be handed straight to the committee in all of those handover, that series of, you know, another tranche of documents from the National Archives goes to the 1-6 committee and another and another. Marcy ends with, what I can say with no doubt, though, is that Merrick Garland's Department of Justice solved one of the most challenging constitutional problems facing an investigation of a former president, and it solved that problem months ago. And no one knew about it. And then I want to add Gal Suburban. She's great. She reminds us Kash Patel announced in June, June 22nd of this year, as a matter of fact, that he was an official rep for Trump to the National Archives 
and that he was going to go get every Russia probe document from them and start publishing them. Didn't happen. But June 22nd's an interesting timeline, considering the Department of Justice had already paid Mar-a-Lago a visit 18 days prior, 19 days prior. That's when they came down there with the subpoena to get all the classified documents. And that's when one of the Donald Trump lawyers signed off on a document saying, you've got them all. And more about the stolen boxes. There was a hearing in court this morning about whether to unseal the affidavit associated with the Mar-a-Lago search warrant, which would include all the probable cause information, witnesses, and agent identities, sources and methods. These normally don't get unsealed until after someone is charged during discovery. The Department of Justice filed to oppose the unsealing of the affidavit, but didn't have a problem with unsealing some other ancillary documents, namely the cover sheet to the whole thing, the sealing motion, that's the motion that the Department of Justice filed with the courts saying, here's why this needs to be sealed, and the sealing order issued by the courts saying, yeah, we're going to order all this sealed based on your motion to seal it. With regards to the affidavit, the judge did not rule on its release, but did tell the Department of Justice to submit to the court by August 25th any redactions it would make if the affidavit were to be released. Then the court would determine whether those redactions were appropriate, and then they would determine whether to release that redacted version after maybe some discussions and hearings, or they might decide not to release it at all. Because as the DOJ has argued in their motion against unsealing, this thing would be so redacted that it's pointless to release it. But the judge wants to review that assertion. And that's a good thing. That is good. Do you remember when Judge Reggie Walton wanted to review Bill Barr's redactions of the Mueller report for appropriateness and determined many of his redactions were baseless and only used to hide to sheath the breadth and depth of the Russian interference in the 2016 election. He called them inappropriate. He said he lacked candor, Bill Barr did, when he redacted that report. We eventually got the redaction bars removed, and we saw the huge breadth and depth of Russian interference. But after that, it was too late. Barr already went on his three-week spin doctor tour. No offense to the spin doctors or my friend Chris Barron. The court here just wants to check that the Department of Justice isn't being a dick. They want to check that these redactions are appropriate. And we should all be fine with that. The Department of Justice can appeal and continue to argue for none of it to be released. And one of their arguments could be that that appeal will push you into the 60-day window before an election and they can't release anything during that time period anyway. We're too close to an election to release anything like that. I am certain that the court will not agree to unseal anything that would jeopardize the election, that would jeopardize the investigation, any of them, that would chill witnesses, that would expose agents and witness identity, or violate anyone's constitutional rights, namely Mr. Trump. And this extra review step also makes it that much harder for anyone like Donald Trump to appeal a conviction should it come to that. The judge did unseal the cover sheet and the motion to seal and the sealing order, And there's not really much new here, except we got a little more clarity on the obstruction of justice charge. The crimes listed on the cover sheet, they list the crimes and a little explainer as to what part of the crime. That was a little more detail than we had before. 18 U.S. Code 793, willful retention of national defense information. That's what they're looking at for espionage. 18 U.S. Code 2071, concealment or removal of government records. And 18 U.S. Code 1519, you know, it's my favorite, obstruction of a federal investigation. That says to me that the obstruction isn't about concealment because concealment is covered under 18 U.S. Code 2071. The obstruction is about good old fashioned obstruction, such as mm, lying to the feds about what they had or didn't have anymore. As in signing a piece of paper saying you don't have anything else. And the espionage piece here confirms 973D. That's the willful retention of national defense information. Specifically, that Trump was told to return the stuff and didn't. That's different from 973E, which could prompt a whole fight about whether or not he was authorized to have the documents. This doesn't care 
about whether or not he's authorized to have the documents. This doesn't get this doesn't give a shit whether Kosh Patel said he could stand over documents and wave a magic wand. They don't care. 973E assumes he was authorized to have the documents and just didn't give them back when he was told to. Very interesting. And by the way, this is all speculation. You know, we'll find the hard facts when they come out. But this is seems clear to me. It's also of note that the warrant was applied for here by phone and not in person, which I guess isn't normal. It could be for COVID reasons, could be for convenience. It was Friday afternoon when they got this. Could be security reasons. They didn't want people going in and out of the courthouse down there. Or, you know, they didn't want to endanger anybody going in and out of the courthouse. We don't know. Next up in the news is the Weisselberg plea deal. Alan! 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 Alan Alan pled guilty to all 15 felonies today that he was charged with. And there was something interesting in the transcript on pages 27 and 28. It shows that Weisselberg was previously immunized, presumably by the Southern District of New York, maybe in the Cohen case. They brought it up because they wanted to point out that his previous immunity there had something to do with him not being able to challenge the state indictment. CNN reported last year New York federal prosecutors came to suspect the Trump Organization's chief financial officer, Weisselberg, lied in testimony during their investigation of Cohen. That's according to four people familiar with the prosecutor's thinking. Despite their suspicions, federal prosecutors did not pursue perjury charges against Weisselberg, but his past interactions with them could now become relevant to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office as it seeks his cooperation in tax fraud cases. As that investigation proceeds, All eyes are on whether Weisselberg might flip against his longtime boss. In the course of the investigation, prosecutors gave limited immunity to Weisselberg, who was involved in the company's efforts to reimburse Cohen for the hush money payments, a matter that has also come under scrutiny by the Manhattan DA's office. But federal prosecutors ended up questioning their decision to give Weisselberg immunity after they came to suspect Weisselberg lied during his testimony. Prosecutors weighed whether to pursue perjury charges, and according to one person familiar with the matter, they also explored whether they could retract his immunity. And apparently, he filed for a motion for immunity in the state case, the Manhattan DA's case. Prosecutors were skeptical of Weisselberg's testimony, particularly his description of how the company reimbursed Cohen and categorized it as the company's legal expenses. Remember? Remember that? Weisselberg wasn't the only Trump Organization official whose testimony prosecutors doubted. That's a whole CNN story for another day. But that might have fucked up his immunity and allowed the DA to go after him to plead out. Something else very interesting is that Weisselberg had to admit today that not only did he cheat New York and New Yorkers out of their taxes, out of taxes he was supposed to pay, but he cheated the feds too. Remember when I brought up over and over again that they mentioned the IRS like 26 times in that speaking indictment against Weisselberg and the Trump org. The word federal came up like 25 times or something. And he had to admit to that today. So does that mean the feds are investigating all this as well? Could Allen be helping in that case? And that's why he's only getting a few months in Manhattan? 100 days or something? We know his testimony in the DA case won't implicate Trump or his kids. They've said that he's quote unquote cooperating, but only so far as giving testimony in the case against the Trump organization brought by the Manhattan DA. But he wasn't going to implicate Trump or his kids. That's only for the state case. But could he be helping in a federal case against Trump and the crotch goblins? I don't know. But that would certainly make me feel better about him only getting 100 days in this sweetheart deal. They could be talking to each other. The immunity deal might not have been for Cohen. The immunity deal might have been for a federal tax investigation that we don't know about. We haven't heard about. There's still no confirmation that the feds are looking into this. But today, he had to admit that he cheated on federal taxes for the Trump organization and conspired with them to do so. Now, Next up, a lawyer for conspiracy theorist Alex Jones is facing scrutiny from a Connecticut judge who began hearing testimony Wednesday on whether the lawyer should be disciplined for giving other attorneys for Jones highly sensitive documents, including medical records of relatives of victims of Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. Attorney Norman Pattis is representing Jones in a defamation lawsuit filed by Sandy Hook families. 
against Jones for calling the 2012 shooting a hoax. The Connecticut trial is a separate trial from the one in Texas that ended earlier this month with a jury awarding more than $49 million to the parents of the slain children. There's a second lawsuit against Jones in Texas by Sandy Hook families as well, but this is the Connecticut one. And Pattis, who did not testify Wednesday, has denied violating Judge Barbara Bellis's order in the case to not disclose confidential documents to unauthorized people. Pattis said he was confident in our defense in a brief response to an email seeking comment on Wednesday. A lawyer for the Sandy Hook families, Christopher Matei, testified Wednesday that Pattis sent him a text in which Pattis said he may have violated the document disclosure order. After a couple of hours of testimony before Bellis in Waterbury, Connecticut, the hearing was continued for next week. Jury selection before Bellis is set to resume Thursday for a trial on how much damages Jones should pay the families. Bellis found him liable for damages last November. According to court documents, Pattis sent a large number of records from the Connecticut defamation case within the past month to the lawyer representing Jones in Texas in the similar lawsuits by Sandy Hook parents over the hoax claims, as well as a bankruptcy case for one of Jones's companies. Now, it hasn't been made clear what documents Pattis allegedly sent, but from what has emerged from court documents, lawyer comments, and the Texas lawsuit, they appear to have included confidential medical records of some of the Sandy Hook victims' relatives, as well as texts from Jones's cell phone. Jones's attorney in Texas mistakenly sent the last two years' worth of texts from Jones's cell phone to an attorney for Sandy Hook. In the recently completed Texas case, Jones had said he didn't have any texts about Sandy Hook and that he had searched for them. Legal experts say that episode could open him up to a possible perjury charge. And as we know, the January 6th committee now has those Alex Jones texts. And uh, the Sandy Hook lawyer said they were going to give them over to law enforcement, namely the Department of Justice, but that hasn't been confirmed. I assume they have. And that the DOJ simply won't comment. And finally, the Biden administration has created a plan to bring 7.5 million Americans in default on their federal student loans back into good standing, restoring their eligibility for financial aid and removing the incident from their credit history. Anyone now in default on federal loans made directly by the Education Department, Perkins loans held by the agency, and old bank-based debt held by the department or private companies is eligible for the program. And your eligibility for Pell Grants, work-study loans, all that will be reinstated according to a fact sheet shared with Congress and advocacy groups this week. The document provides the first substantial look at how the Education Department plans to execute the Fresh Start Initiative, announced this spring to help borrowers exit default, sparing them from the seizure of wages, tax refunds, Social Security benefits, etc. We are currently on Student Loan Forgiveness and Repayment Pause Watch with the August 31st deadline looming. We are now, oh, what, uh, 13, 12 days away, something like that. All right, we have the good news, uh, but up next, I will be chatting with my friend Ben Glebe about his new special, The Mad King. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, let's talk about something I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 by Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy and optimized immune system, and I wanted to stop with the you know, 25 different bottles of supplements and probiotics and everything that I had to take every day. It was just so expensive. It took up a lot of space and it took up a lot of time. But with one delicious scoop of AG1 by Athletic Greens in some water, you get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It supports everything that you need. And I have huge gaps in my diet, too, because I'm paleo and I'm perimenopausal. So I need all these extra vitamins and minerals, and I get them all without having to fill my cabinet with stuff. Or, you know, the top of the fridge with all the powders and supplements. That's my fridge. The top of my fridge is all cleaned off now. It's wonderful. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. They're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin. It's important you choose one with high-quality ingredients that you can actually absorb. Otherwise, it's pointless. And it costs you less than $3 a day. If you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit or all the other 20 bottles of vitamins that you have. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system 
And to make it easy, again, Athletic Greens is going to give you that free one-year supply of uh, immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. He's a stand-up comedian called by TBS one of the funniest comedians working today. He's the host of the game show Idiot Test on the Game Show Network and streaming on Pluto TV, was one of the stars of Chelsea Lately and currently an anchor and contributor on Rebel HQ. His second one-hour stand-up special, Ben Glebe, The Mad King, just dropped on YouTube. Please welcome Ben Glebe. Hi, Ben. Hi, Allison. Good to be with you again. It's really, really good to talk to you. And I, I wanted to kick this off. I want to talk about The Mad King. But first, I wanted to talk about some of the stuff on Rebel HQ, particularly a recent video that you did about the GOP attacking the FBI, because we are starting to see a lot of rhetoric coming from the right, not starting to see, but it's 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 getting amped up a little bit about, you know, from the the supposed back the blue party attacking and calling for defunding the FBI. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on that. Well, it's just absolutely insane. It just proves yet again how completely vapid, empty, and evil, and morally bankrupt the modern-day GOP is. I mean, the one thing that they still had left that I, in principle, agreed with was trying to support our law enforcement, obviously not in all ways, not in the ways that they can be very oppressive and horrible towards minority communities in this country, but as a principle, I still support, of course, law enforcement. And I thought that was their strong point. Oh, but as soon as the tiniest thing touches their guy, not even an indictment, not even just a simple search warrant to retrieve the highest level of top secret documents that our government has that could put us at risk. It's a call for civil war and defunding the FBI, the phrase that was so made fun of, and to some degree for good reason, of defunding the police. Now defund the FBI, the group that you've been begging to do much more of their work, saying, please investigate Hillary Clinton. Make sure Hunter Biden's laptop is scoured for Hunter Biden starring porn films. And national secrets that could put us at risk, the addresses of CIA agents, that simply saying, can we please have that back just so we're not at risk, just so you don't maybe sell it to our adversaries, which we know you're shopping around for if you haven't already done. And that is 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 a step too far for them. Mm. And it is not only sad and disgusting and morally bankrupt, but so dangerous, Allison. I mean, they are, I feel like we already are in a civil war. I mean, and, and they're the only ones fighting. We're just being attacked. You know, being anti-science, having led to such an increased number of American deaths during the pandemic, hitting a million because they won't let us follow science and they make it seem like being against just obvious facts is somehow wrong to do and is an equally valid opinion. And then stopping anti-gun legislation and not even anti-gun, but just gun control, common sense reform to keep us from being randomly sniped in the streets. Another tactic of war, keeping us in fear every day out there. We're in a civil war that we just don't know about. We're being attacked at all sides. And then their mouthpiece, all of these conservative media outlets, the most prime of which and most mainstream of which Fox News is doing such an egregious harm to our country. Here are just four of the lower third titles on screen they had for this FBI raid. Again, just a simple, can we please have our nuclear secrets back? <laughs> FBI now exists to eliminate Democrat Party rivals. Mm. Before they even unleashed what it was about, if it was just or not. Second one, from the IRS to the FBI, they are coming for you. Next one, everything about this raid was corrupt. They know nothing about it, but everything about it that they do know that they don't know is corrupt. And finally, the left's war on the right is just beginning. You think you have it bad now? Just wait. This is the beginning of the war that we're not waging, nor do we know we're in, nor do we want to be in. So we in trouble. The IRS thing cracks me up. They, you know, they, they're like... They're not going after the billionaires. They're coming after the waitresses and the servers and the garbage collectors. And that I was a waitress 
for put myself through college. I was a server for a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, I filed a 1040 EZ. I wasn't an itemizer. There was literally no reason for me to be audited, nor would there ever be a reason for me to be audited. And yet they they spin it in this way that, you know, they're coming for you. It's like, no, they're they're gunning for millionaires who are abusing tax loopholes. Yeah. That's what they're going to to look at, not you. And then they get these these people, these Republicans, most of whom are working class or middle class or lower to somehow stand up for the billionaire corporations who are who are screwing them over continually by lobbying against their own health care and by lobbying against lowering drug prices. And, and it just it absolutely blows my mind. It's beyond, you know, we used to just wonder, why would you vote against your own self-interest? It's beyond that now. They're actually standing up for the people who are taking their shit away. And it's 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 bonkers. That's the brilliance of the GOP is just they are master magicians. I just don't know how they pull this trick off over and over again because they're just they're they're amazing at sleight of hand. Josh Hawley tweeting repeatedly, oh, the IRS that's what we need is is whatever the number is, 87,000 more people coming at you. He never mentioned, or they say, that's what we need now, raising taxes during what's almost a recession, during a recession. Always skipping the words, except not for you, except not for any of his followers, except not for any of his constituents. They'll be fine. No raised tax, no audits. It's just for you, Josh. It's for you that they're coming after your taxes. Well, not yours, but people like him, his his cronies. It's it's just insane. They're just blatantly corrupt. And we do a bad job on the left. And I know you try and I try and we do our best to try to break through that messaging. The real key is to try to reach the other side. That's what I always try to do is I try to present things these days. And my, my strategy is always, how can I get, just pick off a little bit of that side? How can I lure some of the other side in to accidentally make them get messages that might enlighten them just the touch. Yeah. And that's, what's great about comedy. Comedy can do that. Generally when we do, you know, I've, I've done it, you've done it. We tour around, we go to cities. The audiences that sit in front of us aren't a hundred percent democratic voters. They, they, it's a, it's a, a mixed bag. And that's, what's so oh, great yes. about comedy is because they these are things that everyday people can relate to laugh at and kind of see in a new light. So let's talk about the Mad King. Love the title, by the way. I'm rewatching Game of Thrones right now. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, yes, the Mad King. <laughs> nice. Because I'm prepping for the new Dragons series, right? So I'm just I'm going back through the old Game of Thrones stuff. And I think I'm on like season three. I'm on season three, too. Yeah. <laughs> so talk a little bit about the Mad King. I think it dropped on YouTube on, on Sunday. Talk a little bit about some of the some of the ways that you reach out to the other side a little bit about some of these issues that people on the ground where the rubber meets the road, people who vote can relate to. Yeah. So, you know, you asked me off air about why I phrased it in the YouTube description that that my special challenges gender issues. And that's another example. I'm trying to phrase things in ways that somebody that might have some, even some bigoted opinions are like, oh, he challenges gender stuff. I want to see this. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on my side. And they tune in and they actually hear something a little bit more enlightened. I try to do that. There's one bit in the special where I talk about bigotry and I talk about people that are anti- transgender people and they try to restrict their use of bathrooms. And I say, look, we're never going to get rid of all bigotry. We're never going to get rid of all hatred in this world. That's obviously never going to go away. So I would just like to remind all of you who have hate in your heart out there, we hope you change, but if you don't, no one's going to make you change. You just aren't allowed to pass laws to make those people's lives harder. You can still be bitter and talk about it around your Thanksgiving table and have a sad family that sits there and just puts your problems on other groups that don't affect you in any way, fine. Just don't pass laws to stop it because we all judge some groups. So I try to phrase it like this, like try to appeal to their their sense of like, as long as you're not going to take away my hate. I say, we all judge some group. <laughs> I don't like men who skateboard. I don't like adult men who skateboard. I don't think they're real men. But I'm not trying to pass laws to stop them from using the bathrooms they want to use. <laughs> and hopefully an opinion like that can make them realize, well, that's a damn good point. I guess I could be against them, but not try to make their life tougher. So little things like that that I try to mm. put in. But then I also go overtly at some point pointing out 
little bit by little bit on a logic flow how insane it is that we protest people who protest the anthem. And I take you through it, but in such an overt, hard-hitting way, I think that I, I bring you along where it just seems so silly. Like a big point that I make about that is, first, I make it more intellectually about how we always are distracting from the real issue. We always in our country never, like, we never got to debate what Kaepernick took a knee for or what Olympians protest during the anthem for, which is police brutality and just a, 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 a cry for equal justice, a silent protest, because instantly the debate from Fox News that then bleeds into the mainstream news is, should he be allowed to protest? And all we debate is that. Then LeBron comes to his defense and says, of course he should be able to. Then the news nationally spread out from Fox and Newsmax and all these becomes, should LeBron James be allowed to weigh in about whether Kaepernick should be allowed to take a knee about brutality. Now we're two steps removed from the main issue and we never debate it. But then I take it to a more easy to understand joke from there. And I say, but the greatest ridiculousness about the whole protesting of people not standing during the anthem is that 95% of them were sitting at home on Sunday watching football, sitting during the anthem. They were saying, get up out of respect for the anthem. Oh man. I just spilled guac on my man tits again. Can I get another towel? No, I will not stand up, Janice. You bring me the towel. You get up. <laughs> How do you not understand that point? No, yeah, it's sometimes pointing out those very simple, you know, hypocrisies. And it's also such a great humor tool, right? I mean, it, it's it's just, it's so important to point that. I had an interview this week. Some Some lady at The Atlantic wanted to interview me about dark branded memes. She wrote a whole piece on it about how she thinks it's stupid. And she was asking me, like, why it's funny. And I'm trying to explain to her the irony, the bait and switch, you know, and it's just either going over her head or she doesn't want to hear it. And so she puts this article out and, and she's like, well, Alison Gillett Muller, she wrote, says it's uh, ironic. Ah, oh, well, the irony must be lost on me. And I'm like, yes, it clearly is. If you don't understand why the dark branded memes are funny, then the irony is completely lost on you. Yes. Uh, you know, like there are people who drink PBR because it's delicious. And then there's people who drink PBR because it is clearly not. Uh, and so like if you don't understand the difference, then I'm sorry you don't understand humor. I don't know if it's generational. I doubt it. I think she, I don't know what her deal is. But that's the kind of stuff I love. Right. The the hard left turns, the bait and switch, the irony. Mm -hmm. Most of my comedy was built on irony. And I, I find it like it's the soul of wit along with brevity. but irony is there. It's it's one of the top things. So I, I agree. very much encourage everybody to watch this, The Mad King. Why'd you call it The Mad King? I call it The Mad King for a few reasons. My fans are called The Mad Ones. And uh, it's, it's from the Kerouac quote from On the Road. The only people for me are The Mad Ones. Mad to sing and talk and dance and laugh and do all the things. Uh, that was a terrible paraphrase, but you get the point. <laughs> and uh, the world is just so mad lately that I think it's got so many meanings for me. It's that you have to be a little bit angry at what's going on. And I definitely present in the special with some anger and a lot of heated moments. But also we need to not let it drive us crazy. So I choose my own craziness. And I, my fans and I have this virtual show I do called Glebe Off the Top where we meet in Madtown, this virtual town that I created that's global. And we have our own kind of Willy Wonka, Alice in Wonderland-esque madness. And we get to choose our own madness and kind of have a break from the real world and just go mad in our, on our own terms. And so I love that very much. But it also is a bit of a slam at Trump, who thinks he is the king. And uh, since he created for us and, or accelerated us into this post-truth era and everybody on his his side gets to define their own terms these days and he gets to say he's the greatest and he's a billionaire when he's not. And Kanye gets to say he's the most brilliant rapper to ever live. Some people on our side need to start using more sharp hyperbole. terms. Yeah. Yes. Hyperbole to get people that are looking for that cult of personality coming to better values, coming to people that actually are going to bring them good places. So I'll be the mad King. I'm going to claim that because we need people to do that. And so I want to, it's much like those dark brands and memes. It's finally the left. It's the best when, when the self-deprecating comic comes out as yes, a king. You know, exactly. it's, that's, that's that perfect. Exactly. That dark brand. And maybe you can explain it to the Atlantic. Exactly I right. In the special, I 
<laughs> you see that I don't think I'm any sort of king. I'm an idiot that's in therapy and the therapy's not working and I'm getting in fights in parking lot and my Adderall's failing me and all of it. And I'm lazy and I'm gaining weight in the pandemic and all of that. And that's your mad king. So hopefully people enjoyed it. It's for free for everybody to watch on YouTube. I didn't even pitch it to any streamers. My first special was on Showtime, but I didn't even want to put it behind any paywall. I want everyone to be able to watch it. I need to get the word out there. There's, like I said, a glut of such bad content, a lot of stuff that's misogynistic that's so popular these days, a lot of stuff that's coming out that's just the most graphic sexual stuff possible. I have some sex jokes in my special, but you don't need to graphically describe what your penis <laughs> is doing as your closer of your special to get a laugh. And so I want to show that you can be, you can have hard hitting jokes and make people laugh while also being a kind, progressive person. And so I really want and it, that, that kind of thing does not spread like wildfire typically. So I really want to try right. to reach the audiences that will appreciate it and give it to them for free. And I, I, I just hope that people that they will just search Glebe Special or Glebe the Mad King on YouTube, watch it. It's free. And then please share it. Leave comments and share it so the algorithm gives me a little bit of love because uh, I'm not giving away four Ferraris in the first 90 seconds of this video. And then I'm having <laughs> sex with 19 people. <laughs> I'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> uh, just make sure to stand for the national anthem. That's right. <laughs> During a song that says land of the free, you better stand when it says how free we are. That's the key because songs have feelings. And if you don't stand, the song will be sad. The song will be sad if we don't. Yeah. If we don't sing the, cl the magic cloth song. That's correct. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. The Mad King out right now on YouTube. Ben Glebe, it's been great to talk to you. Same here. Thank you, Allison. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's me again. Uh, I used to have sleep problems. You know that. But then I ordered my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has an online two-minute sleep quiz. You complete it. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. You will get the best night's sleep of your life. Uh, I took the quiz and I got matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I need a medium firm bed. So it's the best mattress I've ever owned. They have a 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model. And you get to try it out for 100 sleeps with no risk. It is a great deal. And it's just, it's so, oh, it's a lifesaver. Sleep is so important. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. Right now, the Helix lineup has 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, uh, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even mattresses made just for kids. So go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take the quiz, Order the mattress that you're matched to, and it will come right to your door, shipped completely free, and you can start experiencing the best sleep of your life. As you know, Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and they've been recommended a lot by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine to help improve your sleep. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep dot com slash daily beans with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Hey, everyone. It's AG from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. And Steve Pearson from the How We Win podcast. We're bringing together some of our besties for a live super pod to raise money for the How We Win Fund and elect Democrats in November. Featuring us, of course. The hilarious Frangela duo. Ben and Brett Mazelis from the Midas Touch podcast. And the one and only Kathy Griffin. Join us on Monday, August 22nd at Largo in Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com and get your tickets now. That's HowWeWinLive.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. Thanks for sticking with me today, everybody. The good news is brought to you by The Good News. It's brought to you by y'all, the listeners. You can send in your good news, confessions, corrections, whoopee stories, pod pet photos, Halloween pictures I take all year, uh, any holiday photo, whatever you celebrate, your happy place, shout outs to your spouse or your significant other, or your parents or just someone who's awesome in your life. Uh, you can send it all to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. And just a couple days left to get your tickets for How We Win Live at Largo in Los Angeles, Monday, the 22nd, 7.30 p.m. 
It's going to be myself, Midas Touch, Frangela, the How We Win podcast, Steve Pearson, and my friend, my special guest, amazing, amazing woman, Kathy Griffin. So again, that's HowWeWinLive.com. Every single penny that you pay for tickets goes to help Democrats in the midterm who need it the most. All right. First up, from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Good morning, Beans Queens. I have some excellent good news. Eight months ago, my husband of 28 years was diagnosed with esophageal stage three cancer at the age of 48. Oh, that's so young. He immediately started chemotherapy, then more chemotherapy with daily radiation. The final surgery removed the bottom two thirds of his esophagus and the top of his stomach. The rest of his stomach was used to make a new esophagus. He survived it all and he's recovered beautifully. This week, we got the good news that he is cancer free. We have an amazing team of doctors and nurses and friends and family that have carried us through this ordeal. Now we are ready to get back to regular life. We're expecting our first grandchild in December, and we're so thankful that my husband will be here to experience the joy of a grandbaby. I would also like to let your audience know if you feel like food is getting stuck when you eat, go to a doctor, get it checked out. Thank you for all the news you give me every day. Your good news segment got me through the worst days. I love when you guys coo over the animal pics. So for pet tax, here's a picture of my lovely dog, Captain. Look at his boxer, baby. Oh, with the wrinkly forehead and the, the little pink and black speckled nose and the little peats. Who's there? I see other dog peats in this photo. I'm going to need to see the other dog, Anonymous. I see another dog paw. And I see your toes as well. Very nice. Very nice pedicure. Thank you for that. What good news. And congratulations. Cancer free is amazing. That's a lot of work. That's a, that's like warrior level work that y'all put in. So I'm sending you virtual hugs and, and high fives. Next up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. I often post what I think are pictures of nice looking food on social media, mostly Reddit. I finally had one dish that took off and became a little viral blackened frog legs until I realized my picture was actually slightly lewd. Nevertheless, I'm going to take this as a win. <laughs> That's why it went viral. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. That's good. Hey, you know what? Viral is viral. That's not what I have to say, whether whether it's, you know, your your talents or frog butts. Next up from Janelle, pronouns she and her. Greetings, beans, queens. My good news is I'm really excited for school to start. Last year, after 15 years as a high school special ed paraprofessional, oh, amazing, I completed my first year in elementary. I miss those crazy teenagers. In my mind, I still am one. Not a swear or dirty joke I don't like. <laughs> but seeing 9 and 10-year-olds gain confidence is amazing. I'm a Navy vet. Thanks, shipmate. A mom, human and canine, breast cancer survivor, 80s stoner, despiser of the orange, he who shall not be named, and a huge fan of all you do. Well, it's because we're like the same person, Janelle. That's that's why we like each other so much. After listening to the Daily Beans, well, daily for a few months, I became intrigued and decided to go back to the beginning of Muller, she wrote. That podcast was truly prophetic. You and your gang predicted some of the crazy shit that really happened. Thanks for keeping it real, keeping me informed, and my favorite swears. I've adopted many as my own. My pet tax is my ridiculous Shih Tzu, Ollie. He saved my family from long-term mourning after the loss of our 18-year-old rescue. Thanks for all you do. And look at the baby showing the belly. Is that one of those relaxy beds? Because it appears to be working. That is one relaxed dog. I, I want to be able to sleep like this dog. And with Helix Sleep, helixsleep.com slash daily beans. You too can sleep like this. I'm kidding. But I'm not. I really actually do love my Helix mattress. <laughs> I just, I'm just fucking with you guys. I didn't mean to put it. I didn't mean to put an ad in the middle of the good news, but it was funny to me. All right. Next up from Holly, pronouns she and her. I am fangirling as I write to the Beans Queens. Wow. I've been listening to you since May when my friend Donna in Deep Red, Alabama told me about y'all. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your insight, humor, and good news with us. My day in Deep Red, Texas isn't complete until I listen to the podcast. Well, thank you, Holly. My good news is that Beto O'Rourke came to our little town of Fredericksburg, Texas Wednesday. I heard about this. We are in deep red county, a deep red county, 80% Republican Tea Party and maybe 20% Dem. A huge crowd of more than 800 people, and we were only expecting about 300, came out in nearly 100 degree heat to hear him share his wonderful vision for Texas. It was a beautiful sight to see that many Democrats, Republicans and independents in the same room 
most of who were there to listen and support the man we hope will be the next governor of Texas. As he rallies in rural Texas to get bigger and bigger, 4,000 in Frisco, Texas. I'm more and more hopeful about the future of this state. So am I. So am I. For my pet tax, I want to share pictures of our Dickens and Oliver. Even though Oliver is no longer with us, we adopted these two as kittens because they bonded in the animal shelter medical center after surgery for degloved lower jaws. Aww. We miss Oliver terribly, but Dickens lives up to his name with his antics and ongoing conversations with us. He is a hoot. And his now sister, Lucy, haven't got a decent picture of her yet. The first picture is of Oliver when he was a kitten and smaller than a cordless drill. The second is of my wonderful husband, Paul, as a kitty nap bed. And my personal favorite pic of the boys grown up, Oliver hugging his buddy Dickens. Look at this little kitten. Oh, yep. There's a cat bed. Double duty. Oh, looks so soft. And then the cuddle bugs. Uh, it's one's eyes match the other's fur. And then the ginger just has the most beautiful dark orange eyes. Thank you for sending these in. Thank you so much, everybody, for your photos and your kind words and your lewd frog butts. Hey, I said frog orgies. Send them in, didn't I? I can't remember what episode that was. Now people think I'm weird. But it it was referenced in a previous episode. Just take my word for it. Again, thanks to my friend Ben Glebe. Check out The Mad King. That came out August 14th. And so um, it's free. It's on YouTube. Do it. It's funny. And uh, I appreciate everyone. I will be back, uh, let's see, on Monday with the beans. And then, of course, we have Monday night at Largo Live. So I hope to see you there. Again, that's howwewinlive.com. How we win live. and. Yeah, that's it. That's all I have for today. So until next time, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and be careful with your face. I'm AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.